Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Aaron Frost. Hello. We have a guest panelist, Mike Hardington. Hi. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. So, Mike, we're not going to talk about Ionic today. I know. It's so strange. Uh, Why am I here? What is happening? Well, we'll probably talk a little bit about it. Yeah, that's true. We've kind of typecast you, I think, so. Yeah. There's more to me than just Ionic. Really? (laughs) More than meets the eye. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at Sentry.io. So yeah, we were talking before the show and we were talking about what we could talk about and we were kind of getting into trends or you know maybe fundamental skills that people should have. And anyway, Frosty, you, you mentioned that you have a topic that's kind of both. And I, I think what you explained before the show would be a good introduction to, to this topic. So why don't you go ahead and get us rolling and then we can get Mike's genius uh, take on things. Yeah. And then maybe his beard can also chime in. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I need to work on my beard. There it is. There it is. Chiming in. So talking about fundamentals, talking about trends, I think there's a trend that is also a fundamental that's happening right now. Um, When I learned Angular, I learned kind of the least amount of Rx possible to get in. Right, like HTTP return an observable. A couple other things had observables, but like I didn't learn RX or observables. Like to say I learned them, that would be false. And I just I just moved on with Angular. And then someone's like, "Hey, we need to deal with state better or variables. Let's just we gotta adopt NGRX." And I I don't know what that means. I don't know what adopt NGRX means. And I think most of the community is in the same boat. Like, hey, it's Redux. Well, that doesn't, <laughs> that literally is just as arbitrary and ambiguous as saying uh, we need to adopt NGRX. So you adopt it and then you're like, wow, this is, this is intense AF. This is overkill. I'm just trying to store like a number. Why, why, why do I have to implement an entire Redux store to store a number that's not going to be shared by anyone else? Like, don't you think that the adopt? term is very apropos here because it's a process that's going to take way longer than you think it should and way more time and effort than you think it should. No, because it's not as rewarding as real adoption would be. (laughs) (laughs) You have to keep feeding the beast. Yeah, but it's not as it's not as rewarding as adoption should be. So no. So I think and as Joe and I, uh, as we as we curate content for ng for ngconf. We've noticed a trend, which is people are wanting to know less about NGRX this year, and they're wanting to know more about RxJS this year. We, we pull the community in RX and observables, 
were by far the highest asked topic, which is interesting because it's an Angular conference and the topic being asked is Rx, right? And so it, it does point to how much Rx becomes important to Angular developers. And so I think there's this fundamental thing to know. Yeah, I just want to chime in real fast because it's funny that you mentioned this because Ward Bell was way ahead of the curve on this. Episode 133 of Adventures in Angular, which was back in March of 2017, almost exactly two years ago as we record this, we, we got on, it was a panel-only episode, and he basically got in and busted it down and said, look, you have to know RxJS in order to do Angular well. Yeah, and you do. And I didn't know that when I first learned, you know, a few years ago when I was like, hey, it's time to take on an Angular project. So there's a trend that people need to be learning when they're first learning Angular, but it's also a trend in the community. Like, so it's a fundamental and a trend where people are like, I think Angular is maturing where it's like, we all have to be RxJS developers as well. We can't just be Angular coders. Like it's, it's kind of synonymizing. And, and when I talk about it, I talk about be, being reactive is really, really, really important skill in Angular. And RxJS is how you are reactive in, in Angular. So it's really, really important. Well, and it feels a little bit to me like, I guess the fundamentals of like driving a car, for example, you know, you get in and you drive the car and then after a while, maybe you need it to be more gas efficient or something like that, right? And so you start learning some of these techniques, but as you dig in deeper, you start to understand the fundamentals of how the car works yeah. and understand how you drive it in order to make it more efficient. And yeah. it's the same kind of thing with RxJS where you get to a certain point and then you realize that there's this whole level of, of powerful features that are kind of happening for you that you could take advantage of because they're right there within reach. You know, you just need to figure out where they are and it's already there. You just yeah, have yeah. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, it's uh, a lot when, when you're learning really anything, not just, you know, angular coding, but your, your first, you know, forays through a, a topic are all exploratory, right? Like, you're, you know, you're just hitting your head and banking the edges to see, hey, what is, what is this actually like, right? And you're, you're kind of almost like polymorphically looking at something to say, how is this like other things that I've done, you know? And I think a lot of AngularJS developers certainly approached Angular that way. And I think once you grow up in it a little bit, you go, oh, it's, it's not supposed to be the same as AngularJS. It's supposed to be Rx. Yeah, and Mike, Mike, and Joe, feel free to chime in. I, I, I certainly don't want to Bogart and be the only like bearded opinion on this thing. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I do. I also want to share that I had a similar experience with just Rails. You learn to do things the Rails way, and then you learn Ruby, and you realize that there's the all this. Yeah, again, there's all this engine under the hood. It works alongside Rails to make it more powerful. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would add like even way back when. We were still trying to get our head, uh, our heads around, like wrapped around Angular and just get that migration process over. And like we were starting building out like hello worlds, doing like our initial how do we make an XHR request? By we, you're talking about Ionic, yeah? When I and like more some of the rest of the Ionic team were first getting like started with this migration to Angular and Angular 2, and like the fact that RX was so such a major force in Angular and like this whole concept of nothing is just run once. It's a constant stream of data and everything is reactive. This, that whole mindset, I don't think any of us really 
knew that we're going to have to not only learn Angular, we're going to have to learn how to program and think reactively and how to get all of that working in a system. It is intense. The uh, initial engagement or courting period, right? Like, because you've got the term observable, which you don't know what it means, right? Other than that you call subscribe on it. Like you basically get that pretty quick. That's essentially the dot then of observables, right? Like, so you, you, you quickly get that. So you know, okay, subscribe is synonymous with dot then. And so you start leaking memory all over the place because you, you don't understand how it's not dot then. But then also there's like 40 million operators and you're they're, underestimating. Is it more? Is it it's up more. now? Okay. It's up. it's up. And each one, I mean, you get a couple of them are just like nuanced. And you're trying you're still trying to conceptualize what a stream is. And then you got people with like wicked sharp definitions in their brain, and they're like, oh no, no, no. What you want is with latest from, not combined latest, because combined latest is this. And when you're like, all right, uh, I'm going to, I don't want to use this anymore. I'm just going to go back to subscribe and I'll do something else. Right. And so yeah, you you feel like you're talking to a guy who's been fishing all his life and you're like, bro, I don't even know how to reel it in. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it is intense, but uh, I think once you grow up in Angular a little bit, you're like, all right, this is why Angular is reactive is because of this technology. And so I need to really get good at it. And so when I teach people, hey, how do you be reactive in Angular? It's 100% of that teaching revolves around RxJS. And even when you're like teaching to be reactive with NGRX, the parts of NGRX that are reactive are the based on observables parts. And so it's a very, very important technology to know and to get good at. And not just to like know, but to be able to show people it's like, this is why like it matters to know some of this stuff. Like the initial demo of just an instant search feature, that is like such a visual, like kind of imagine trying to do this without RX and out having everything be based on observables. Like you would have a, a significant amount of uh, more code to like go over and to write yourself versus just here's the filter, here's the observable make that request and just send me back the data. Yeah. So, so walk, walk us through that then, because I, I guess uh, that's one thing that I'm having trouble visualizing. I've played a little bit with RxJS and, and I kind of get how observables work. But yeah, how does this shorten the workload then? How does, it, how does it make writing Angular that much nicer? You can use this example or another example. No, I, I think Mike should explain. His, I love that example he's talking about. But I'll, let me give a shorter example. Mike's is the quintessential like beauty. Like, but let me give an example. Like, so imagine you have a list, a, a list, a component called donut list. Okay, Chuck. And donut list displays what? Mm, donuts. Yes, yeah, exactly. It, it displays donuts with bacon, uh, or without, but with two. No, you're, you're not living right. If it's all right, no, I'm, I didn't say it. Yeah, so. You make a service called Donut Service, and Donut Service goes and gets donuts, right? I like this already. Yeah. So essentially what you do is you say, like the way I do it, I make it really simple. I make it an observable on Donut Service called Donuts Dollar. 
And I, I start it with an HTTP request. So I do a starts with. So anytime someone initially subscribes to this, they're going to get, it's going to call that starts with. So it will go to the server and it will get the donuts and then we'll, we'll turn the donuts. And so all you have to do is essentially in your, in your template, just subscribe to the donuts observable and it will make the HTTP request and give them back to you. And then you, you use Angular's async pipe to do the subscription. Anyway, it's, 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 it's a very short way of storing variables in, in, inside of observables. But, but Mike's, Mike's is really where the power comes in. It's, it's where you, you're combining multiple variables through one observable that really makes it powerful. Yeah, and even with that, like, I don't think any, any app that I've built that uses that approach, I think maybe I use at most four to five different like, operators on that single observable and just one uh, switch map to kind of get it all together, uh, get the final request out. But yeah. it's like, instead of just saying, like, donuts example is great. We talked about donuts and it had bacon on it. But just being able to have like an input and just every time you're typing, that's all the stream of data. That is every single, that's like every single blip coming across. Like there's an A, there's a D, there's an L. You have all that data coming in. You can just process, you know, however much you want of that. You want to make that request or you want to wait until that term or that stream of data reaches a certain length. It just becomes so much easier to manage that with just say filter, make the request, merge it or uh, map it back to like the original quest and then handle that data however you want. Yeah. So a point in time that really helped me when I was like, oh, that's what a stream is, was when they introduced the term pipe. Because before that, I was like, so it's just like observable dot blah, dot blah, dot blah, dot blah, dot blah. And it just, it was really hard for me to grok everything. Yeah. But once they they introduced pipe, my brain went, oh, this is just a data pipeline. It's an asynchronous data pipeline. Maybe sometimes it's characters on an input coming through. Maybe sometimes it's donuts from the server coming through a pipe. But no matter what, I can take all those pipes and combine them into one pipeline mm-hmm. that will allow me to make my request to the server with an input uh, that someone typed in. And then I can combine multiple observables to say, give me the observable that has the keystrokes from the input. Give me another observable that has the sort from the table of donuts and the other one that has the toppings bacon selected. And then I'm going I'm to combine those three observables and send that out to the server and get the new list of donuts. Does that make sense? Yeah. When you said pipe, if, you, if you're familiar with the command line, the pipe operator, right? Yeah. Where it basically takes the output of one command and it sends it through to the next command. As yeah. arguments, right? I'm one of those guys and, that never really got that whole thing. Maybe I never did enough of that mm-hmm. command line stuff. So for me, the pipe didn't really quite make it jive. When Joe hears pipe, he thinks of something else. Let's just say yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the thing I keep pipe. getting hit in the head with. Yeah. But, you yeah, know, I've also seen it in Ruby with the enumerator module that gets pulled in. But anyway, or if you've done any kind of functional programming, I mean, this is very familiar. True. Because yeah. you, you have basically your 
you deal with lists and you pass it to function to a function to a function and yeah. it transforms it every time it goes. The difference is, is that with observables, the observable can connect to things like WebSockets and stuff. So as more data comes in, it gets pushed through that same pipeline and your output can change. And so yeah. that's where the power is for me is that if you have a set of data, and this is the way I think about it, you take this set of data and you push it through whatever transforms you have, like you said, so you've got the sort transform or the filter transform, you know, drop everything that doesn't match or, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. And then at the end, you have this output that is being observed and and then you essentially have something that reacts to that. And Mm -hmm. and that's that's the power feature in um, Angular is that RxJS and Angular are set up so that it basically automatically reacts to that you just have to wire it in. Yes, totally. So the thing that the thing the reason that pipe the the term pipe changed it for me was cuz I was able to think about how I was programming with rx differently. And I don't know why I had a mental limitation around streams prior to that, but I I did. And when they exposed the term pipe, I was like, this is a pipeline. And I thought back to it when I first learned why pipeline processing could be more powerful than in the moment processing. So I learned how Twitter processes tweets. Like when, when someone goes to Twitter to, to see their tweets, that's a really complex algorithm that it takes to show you which tweets belong to you that you should see at what time. And it's really, really expensive and slow to do. And so Twitter changed the way that they, that they actually show it to you. And rather than calculate what tweets you should see when you refresh the page, it's almost a it's almost ahead of time calculated because they put it into a pipeline. So like when Katy Perry tweets out to her 25 million followers, rather than having one tweet get written to the table, they write 25 million tweets to a table. Okay. And so if you're her first follower, you might see your tweet like immediately, true. But if you're her last follower, it might take 15 minutes to see the tweet because they're doing 25 million writes on a tweet table. And so what they do is they process it in a pipeline so that they do some of the processing up front, the heaviest pieces, so that when you show up to get your tweets, it's like an instant. It's just a simple read with maybe a filter or two. You know what I'm saying? And that's a completely different way to architect that backend. And with Angular, it's the same thing. If you're putting data through pipelines and multiple pipelines are derivative of other parent pipelines... It changes the way you think about producing data and providing data into your apps and to other parts of the system. And so when I saw that they call it pipe, it really mentally freed me up from some block I was having to really understand what NG, what RxJS is doing for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think of it kind of, you know, you say pipeline and I kind of think of it more as an assembly line that has many inputs and many outputs. Totally, yep. And so, yeah, it just goes through each stage and then it, you know, it writes it out. And so it writes that out for your Twitter feed and for somebody else's Twitter feed and somebody else's Twitter feed. And that's just part of that assembly line or part of that pipeline. Totes. So how do people actually go about picking this stuff up? Because, you know, I go through an Angular tutorial and they might mention RxJS a couple times, but nobody's actually going, so Chuck, this will be really handy for you to know in the future. Well, that's where I think the trend is coming in. because. How did I learn RX? Well, I was, I was force-fed NGRX. And all the things I love about NGRX are because it's heavily, heavily dependent on RX. And all the things I hate about NGRX has nothing to do with RXJS at all. It has <laughs> That's to do funny. with the Redux pattern itself. But See, what, 
I'm the exact opposite. All the things I hate about NGRX because I have to force myself to learn RX. Really? No. So I just hated learning how to throw up on my file system because someone else made me do that. But what I liked was having one place where variables could live and I could share them with multiple people and I could be reactive. So I learned, I got, I got better at RX because of NGRX. But once I got there, I was like, wait a minute. Why did I learn all this other rubbish? Why get why don't I just use RX? And I think and that's that's a curve that the community's taking together. That's a trend where a lot of people are like even people that write the books and that are writing this stuff like Mike Ryan's giving a talk called You Might Not Need NGRX and Chris Noring who wrote a book on NGRX, he's also saying, "Uh, eh, you might not want to put that in NGRX either." And so the community as a whole is starting to say maybe maybe rx is the thing we needed you know it's it's what we needed instead of instead of what we got by default and so i think i think that's the trend why i thought this topic was a good topic for both fundamental and trending because i think it's both i think you and mike need to have a beard fight over it at ng comp yes i've seen i've seen beard fights All we'll have to do is just stand at the opposite ends of the stage with a comb. Just I think you just rub your beards together. Really awkward. <laughs> that does sound really awkward. Tips of them. <laughs> and you see who gives up first. Need to create a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. We target Angular 6 and the recent versions with much of the curriculum is suitable back to Angular 2. Or go beyond the three-day class with a consultation or project launch with Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. We can assist your team or launch your project with advanced Angular topics including scalability, data flow, state management, full-stack product design, and more. Contact us for a private class at your location or buy a ticket for public classes in various cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com. I do think that when it comes to this whole concept of RxJS as a solution to this problem that, one, I don't even know if 100% of people realize, certainly they may, may not call it a problem, right? Like state management is just related to the fact of what, how predictive is your code, how maintainable is your code, right? And you can write super, super, super spaghetti code and not realize that this is an unmaintainable mess because it's your code and you wrote it and you kind of, that's just what you're used to. And then you can progress along that path. And so this is sort of like this way to sort of clean things up the way that NGRX is a, a way to clean these things up because state management has now become recognized as this major problem. But I don't think that most people in the community realize that there is a way to improve your state management solely using RxJS. Yeah, I think that's true. And when I think if you propose that, that, hey, you don't necessarily need to go full on NGRx and 100% of your app, you can actually use RxJS to improve this sort of stuff, That, that people feel... It's like saying, look, you don't have to use your car everywhere you go. You can sometimes use this book. Yeah. And you get the same kind of look. <laughs> it's, it's no, it's a good point, Joe. And, it, and I think that's part of the trend is people are saying in Redux, both React and Angular communities, they're starting to say more and you're starting to hear more. Don't put everything in the store. You're starting to hear that more and more. Yeah. But what you're not getting is what do you do with it if you don't put it in the store? Right. 
I think the default things people are thinking of is go back to horrible mutated. Yeah. Just have your service, get it for you. And then you take the result of that service call and put it onto your components. This that's the way we've built apps forever. That's go to the database, get the data, render the page, right? Backend system. Yeah. And, and, then, so, and then we get to do it on the front end. So now it's go to the data or back end, yeah. right? Same thing. It's, and then, oh, now I have to keep track of this. And I, I'm certainly yeah. not finger wagging anyone, Chuck, because um, this no, is, I, it's, it's kind of the default thing, right? Like, yeah. But there's the pattern there's a we all understand. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, not yeah. that it's wrong, yeah. but it, that it's familiar. Totally. And that I totally agree with. And I, I totally appreciate Joe bringing that up because I think that is how a lot of us are, you know, consuming it and digesting is just like, this is kind of a next step on how to make my code, that version of my code cleaner. But it is, a, it is a mind bend. In your mind, when people are saying, stop putting everything in a GRX, I think what people are thinking is, awesome. I get to go back to using two promise. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I knew, two, <laughs> nice. I understood two promise. Yeah. yeah. I oh, yeah. When I did the, the tutorial three years ago and they used two promise, that yeah. made sense. So one of the things that I've been pushing a little bit more on the shows these days is actionable content, right? Outcomes for people. So how do people start doing this? I mean, because it's one thing to talk about, okay, you know, push your data through the pipelines, but it's another thing to go, okay, so um, I'm, I'm going, I have a service that reaches out, it does this, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, maybe I can glom on some of these, um, what do you call them? Observables or no, the, the operators, operators, that's it. You know, it, it, I mean, is that it? Or is there a better technique for this? I mean, how do people get started doing it this way or the more correct way? I hate saying the right way, but, yeah. you know, but doing it in a way that will actually, you know, make their life better. So there's more talks coming out anymore. Certainly at NGConf, Joe and I have focused on curating um, a good amount of of talks around just RxJS because that was the number one requested topic. And I think we, we've tried to, at NGConf, and I think the community is trying to do this too. When you say don't put this in the store, the community is getting better at saying what to do with it instead. And there's a term that's growing. It's called service with a subject. So a subject is a type of an observable and you can put data into it that people can subscribe and get. And if you have a service where you expose a subject on it, that's a place where you can store variables. And so a lot of people are going the route of making a very simple Angular service and exposing data through subjects on that service. So service with a subject is becoming a more popular topic, which is how you should be doing things to keep reactive with Rx. That's how you should be being reactive in, in, in Angular if you're not using NGRX is to keep, to keep the stuff through RxJS. But yeah, so I think the community is getting better. But as far as how do you do it now, um, I, think, I think we'll see more courses in the future called, you know, being reactive with, with, NGR, with Angular. And I know that Joe on Thinkster.io is getting ready to produce a course called being reactive in Angular. So I, I know there's more courses coming out about this stuff as we speak. Yeah, and well, and even just that, I mean, I can go look up the subject operator and I can, you know, I can see how to subscribe to it. And, and that, that stuff's pretty straightforward within oh. RxJS. Oh, I have, another, I have another answer to that question. So if you, if you go to rxjs.dev, if you click on the reference on the side, 
on the left side, once you click on reference, there's a thing called operator decision tree. So if you're over there and you're like, hey, man, I need a certain RX thing and I have no idea if it exists, you can come through this operator decision tree and it gives you like, it gives you some really good answers. I've actually used it and got the exact answer I needed. So like, let's say we want to find the debounce method. So ask you questions. I have one existing observable and so you click that and it shows up the next thing. And you can say, I want to change, I want to delay the emissions. So you click that and it's like based on a given amount of time. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And it says, well, use the delay function. I was looking for debounce, but maybe if I answer the questions a little bit differently, the operator decision tree is a really good tool, I think, for people trying to figure out which of the 40 million options they have is the one that they should, should try and use. So, so yeah, that's, that's another really good tool. And they just recently added that back in. It was out for a while, but they added it back. So I was going to say, was, this wasn't here when I last looked at uh, rxjs.dev. Yeah. yeah, it is now. So it was on and then they took it off for some reason. And then it recently got added, which is, I really appreciate that they brought it back because I never knew about it until they added it back. And I think it's great for people learning. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And, you know, like I said, there are similar systems that I've used on the command line and in other languages. And that was always the, the trick, right? Is, okay, I, I need to do this other thing. And then not realizing that there was an operator that already existed that did it. And so, yeah, by doing this, I can learn, oh, there's something there that I don't have to go create on my own that will do what I want. And that's, that's what I like this for. I can start here. And then it's going to tell me which operators I really care about. Yeah. And after you've been doing it for a scotch, you'll start to see some more commonly used ones. Like with ng-conf, we recently released a cheat sheet. Joe, am I, am I, am I making that up, Joe? Nope. You are correct. We did release a cheat sheet. <laughs> so we released a cheat sheet, and it's called the Top 20 RxJS Operators for Angular Developers. Indeed it is. And... We're, we're, we're giving you, hey, these are the ones that are most commonly used in the community. It's certainly not an exhaustive list of everything the community uses or all that you'll need to know, but they're the very common ones that are people are using. And we worked with Mike Brokey to get this out. And anyone who knows Mike knows that he's, he's wicked smart. And we worked with, um, with Brooke Avery to help us get it, get it looking nice. And so... Um, that's and that's another list. So that's another resource you can go check out as the Angular the Angular RX the ngconf RxJS cheat sheet is another one. But there's a lot of places you can go to learn anymore. I think it's I think Rx is and will continue to grow as a topic in among both Angular and non Angular developers. Yeah, I was kind of wondering that. You know, do we see a lot of usage outside of Angular? I know that there is usage outside of Angular, but I don't know how heavy it is. Yeah. So like. Andre Stoltz built a framework called CycleJS, which is a front-end framework on Rx, which sounds kind of amazing to a lot of people. And the RxJS team, they've built a project called uh, Redux Observable, which allows you to work with Rx and Redux inside of a React project. And so there's that as well. And I know that there are people that are pioneering into the Vue community. So, I mean, I think it will continue to get big. I think it will be continue to be in a really important place. I'm interested to see where it goes with Node, to see where people start having um, streams for Node. I, I don't know how it could fit in, but I'm, I'm interested in seeing how it will work. 
Well, no, it's already based on like streams as a concept mm-hmm. and making everything asynchronous. So you'd think that that would not initially, maybe not like, you know, that would have been a feature from day one, but definitely someone should be writing a library to make that much easier. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like, well, I need to share data. I, I need to share some stream, but so much of a, like a node server, you want it to have zero state attached to it. You know, you kind of want your servers to be stateless. And so in a lot of those places, having having observables for state might not be feasible, but it could be feasible to uh, to use it as pipeline processing for requests into node, you know, so. I need to start winding down because I've got to go uh, jump on an airplane and go to a podcasting conference. But uh, are there other resources that you really like for RxJS? Uh, Mike, what are your favorite resources? A couple of them are just Twitter accounts. Michael Hlodke has uh, a lot of good tweets and just musings on Rx and like how to figure out how to do X pattern with, um, with Rx and like what observables, why you choose it. Um, I've seen him speak about RX and observables a couple times, and every single time I learned something new from him. So, yeah, his Twitter is so far my uh, my my big go to. Yeah, I would agree with that, Ladke. I mean, I I met Ladke over in Poland and thought he was wicked, wicked sharp. So um, he's actually going to be speaking about RX at NGConf this year. So you've got Mike Ladke. Ben's always good for Ben Lesh is always good for some solid retweets from the community. So follow Ben, right? As well. Minko. Obviously, I mean Minko's a good guy to follow. Minko will throw some gems out there once in a while for Angular in general, but he also like a lot of them have some buried uh RxJS stuff. I'm trying to think who else is like a significant teacher for me on RxJS. I mean, the guy who really taught me to get better at reactive, his name's Mike Pearson. And um, he's got a couple blogs out there. He's going to be speaking about it several times this year as well. He'll be at NGConf as a speaker. But. I'm almost embarrassed I haven't said it. Brandon Roberts. Brandon Roberts, yeah. Him, oh, he, he's given a couple talks that I've seen, uh, unfortunately not at NGConf, but at different conferences where it's just, so that's how selectors work. And like, that's how it all ties together with like NGRX and then observables and getting the whole entire process down. Right. He's, he's a huge resource for me too, Brandon Roberts. Him and Mike Ryan both. I mean, they're great. Uh, Yuri Stromflower. I try, I'm trying to say, I, I never say his name right. So Yuri, he's done quite a few courses and blogs and stuff on on Egghead for RxJS. So Yuri's also a great resource that I would I would watch. So and if you're not like doing if you are doing Rx but maybe not necessarily or want to see what other frameworks or what other ecosystems are doing with it, John Linquist, he's been doing a huge uh, amount of work with Rx in Vue currently. Yeah. And it's just been interesting to see that and see how it's working. Yeah, and there's on there's Andre Stoltz. You could you could check out as well, he, the author of CycleJS, and he's a big contributor. You know, and and I will tease this out there later this year in the city of Las Vegas. There will be an event called RxJS Live, where it will be an all RxJS conf where people can kind of circle around the technology and 
and get better at um, RX generally rather than specifically focusing it on Angular and RX. So, so that'll be a fun event as well. Um, it'll be a first-time conference. The company I work with, Hero Devs, we're going to be hosting that event and um, putting it on with hopefully all the RxJS team. You know, Ben will be there. Uh, Mike Podwozaki has soft committed, and, and a bunch of other people from the community should show up as well and and help out. So, so yeah, very cool. This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take home projects. And that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them. And if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs, and this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com angular. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through TripleByte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. Well, I'm going to push us into picks mainly because I have a time constraint, unless you guys want to keep talking. Not no, good. All right. Joe, do you have some picks for us? Oh, sure. I'm just going to pick a TV show that I've been watching kind of recently with my kids. Gravity Falls. It's hasn't been on TV. There's only a few seasons. hasn't been on TV for a while. But it's just a cartoon. You can get it on Hulu right now. It's streaming on Hulu. Just super, super fun TV show. Very cleverly written. Very interesting to watch. Enjoyable as an adult and for kids. One other pick that I'm going to have that I want to pick, though, is uh, Dungeons & Dragons. I've been playing recently with friends. Aaron Frost and I have been playing for like the last year. We keep asking Chuck to come, but he's too good for us. Too good. Move it off Monday, dude. Move it off Monday and I'll come. Yeah, We invited Mike, but for some reason he doesn't want to drive over. Uh, It's only a couple miles down the road. (laughs) We've been playing Dungeons and Dragons and uh, we're like in our second campaign and in this particular campaign, we've uh, Aaron's been playing this character that for the whole entire time was telling people that he delivers letters and when they say, oh, you're a mail carrier, he'd say, no, no, I take letters from one place to the, ne- to the other. And, <laughs> and he'd get increasingly frustrated when they insist he's a mailman. It was just so funny. Just It was just so dumb. And the whole time, like, I'm the dungeon master, right? So the whole time I'm, like, playing into this, but just, like, it's, like, funny to see character flavor in there. But, you know, they, it, they're running around killing goblins and bad guys and demons, and that, it has nothing to do with their jobs before they became adventurers. And then <laughs> we're culminating this big, huge, long adventure they've been playing for months and months. And in order to get past this checkpoint into the secret place where they that they have to go somebody has to tell a secret that's never before been told <laughs> and so aaron's character sends makes everybody leave the room and he whispers into the into the darkness into the ether into the universe that i'm really just a mailman and collapses to his knees bawling <laughs> the rest the rest of us at the table were dying, right? Like for months and months and months, this has been going on. And he had no idea that this was going to be part of the adventure. Yeah, yeah. to do this. Oh, yeah. Clue. And we're, everybody's sitting around like, we got to tell a secret that's never been told and nobody knows. And <laughs> Aaron comes up with this idea. 
Oh my gosh. And it was like at the end of the night, we were just about to wrap up for the night and that's what happens. It was like, you couldn't have scripted it, right? No, if you had told me I needed to prepare a moment like this, I may have prepared this exact moment. Like it was perfect. Like this was Seinfeld level comedy going on as we're all laughing. At this point, my character is on the ground in the fetal position, ugly crying with like drool. Ugly crying. And like snot coming out of his nose. Like he's really just had a therapeutic existential awakening that shook him to the core in the middle of this dungeon about his job as a mailman. (laughs) (laughs) One of the funnest C&D moments ever. I can't stop laughing about it. It's so stupid. (laughs) That's the best. It's it's funny because I've been playing D&D on Sunday nights with my uh, brothers and sisters and a couple of my brothers-in-law. And uh, it's really interesting because the character flavor stuff one of my brothers rage quit playing with us because the character flavor stuff drove him nuts. He just wanted to win the campaign. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, so he was 110% pragmatic and it just drove him crazy. So, Never awesome. about the campaign. It's about character development. What you did doesn't make any sense. Yeah, my character is completely and utterly irrational. <laughs> He's rational about these five things and that's it. But that's what it's supposed to be. You're supposed yeah. to make stupid character. I mean... Maybe you make the smartest intellectual character, but maybe your character is intentionally dumb, which is yeah. certainly what my character was planned. He was planned to be severely oblivious to a lot of social cues that regular people pick up on. Yeah. So. And see, I've been playing a character that's completely aloof, but he has a couple of really deep-seated neuroses. <laughs> <laughs> and so he just gets triggered by stuff and then just does completely crazy stuff. And... Yeah, it chaotic neutral. He goes chaotic neutral. He is chaotic neutral. Okay. And it's funny because, yeah, essentially at one point we were breaking out of a jail cell and, you know, my character is a goblin and, you know, he has this sleight of hand. So he picks the lock, no problem. And then um, he realizes like it just hits him like a ton of bricks. I'm in a freaking jail. And so everybody else is standing there talking about, okay, you, you guys go in this way and you guys go in that way. Wait, where's Dabo? Because he's, he's just flying out trying to attack somebody to get the freaking Leroy out. Jenkins, you guys. Oh, yeah, totally. And they're, they're, like, they're like, what are you doing, man? And I'm like, I'm like, this is the way he is. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, fun, fun, fun stuff. I, I completely agree. So can I do a pick? Yeah. I'm going to pick this. This is an oldie, but a goodie. And if you haven't tried it recently... I'm going to suggest that you go back to where you, you know, where you were raised and try it. It's Captain Crunch Crunch Berries, okay? If you haven't had them, go get some Crunch Berries. They're amazing. That's all I got this week. Wow, that was, that was a pick. It was specific. It was very specific. Yeah. Captain Crunch Crunch Berries. Captain Crunch Crunch Berries. This, this sounds like there's a story behind, the, behind this. No, no. I mean, I'm a dad. My kids, I just try and get stuff my kids will like. And then I leapfrogged them. And I had a handful the other day. I hadn't eaten them since I was a teenager. And it was like nostalgia. I was like, wow, this is, these are fantastic. So, so yeah. Crunch, Crunch Berries, berries. It is. Captain Crunch Crunch Berries. Nice. I'll go ahead and jump in with a couple of picks. So I am heading out to Orlando for PodFest. And so I'm going to pick PodFest. It's a podcasting conference. I haven't actually been to this one. I've heard a lot of good things, but uh, I haven't actually been to it. So I guess I'll uh, give a review when I get back, but I'm really excited to head out and uh, 
meet up with some folks that I know in the podcasting community. But that said, I mean, I just love the community events. I love meeting people. I, I guess my pick really is is just go out and uh, you know make the most of the opportunities you have to you know meet awesome people in the community because the Angular has a terrific community, and if you're not involved in it, then you're really missing out on some spectacular stuff. Totes. Mike, you have anything to throw in? Yes. Since we were talking about Dungeons and Dragons, Harmon Quest, has anyone ever heard of that show? Mm-mm. So it is the Harman? best. H A R M O N? Yes. So like it is the, the, the grocery store? More or less, like Dan <laughs> Harmon from Community or Rick and Morty. It is uh-huh. essentially whose line is it anyway? And Dungeons and Dragons just went into the one show improv, random celebrity guests that have come on it and they do a game of a round of Dungeons and Dragons and they just people who have never played it before trying to do like the super serious go through solve the campaign and Dan Harmon is the one of the showrunners who's just nope I'm doing this because it's a character flaw I'm running away from the battle it's character development it's hilarious and if you have not seen it before give it a watch it looks like it's on YouTube is that where we watch it is on YouTube yeah, you should be able to find it on YouTube. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, thanks for coming, guys. It was, this was definitely fun to talk, and thanks for filling in for us, Mike. No um, problem. We'll go ahead and wrap this one up, and we will be back next week. Peace. Okay. All right. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more. 